Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Runners only with Dom Harvey. Hello and welcome to Runners Only with Dom Harvey, brought to you by Radix Nutrition. On this episode, Guyani Spinner. Just about everyone drinks and mm. has relationships with people who do, and it's such a massive part of our life. And this isn't a book about how to stop drinking alcohol. It isn't a book about the evils of alcohol. It's a book about the place of alcohol in our lives and how we got to where we are now. Guyani Spinner is a New Zealand media legend. Even if you don't recognise the name, chances are you will recognise the face, the beautiful face from that TV career, or his voice from his work on Radio New Zealand. Guyon now has a brand new book out called The Drinking Game, which, if you read, may make you stop and think about your relationship with alcohol. Guyon was a drinker, and a bloody good one, until he quit a few years ago. In this episode, we talk about his obsession with running. He's been a regular runner for over 20 years now, and claims it's helped him through some major moments in his life. We discuss his diabetes diagnosis, his decision to stop drinking. He also shares a humiliating story involving himself with a Prime Minister, a Governor-General, and the first man to ever climb Mount Everest. It's a hell of a story. Thank you so much to my mates at Radix Nutrition for getting in behind this episode of Runners Only. Next time you're shopping for supplements at the supermarket, chemist warehouse, the supplement store, wherever, please ask for Radix. And if they don't stock it, let them know that they should. Also, give them a follow and check out their website to learn more about them. They're on Instagram, Radix Nutrition, R-A-D-I-X, or you can check out their website, radixnutrition.co.nz. All right, let's get into it. Runners Only with Dom Harvey and Guyon Espiner. Hey, Runners Only, yeah, yeah, let's get it started. Hey, hey, this is Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Fast paced, slow and steady, anywhere you coming up. Just want to connect for everyone who loves running. This is Runners Only, yeah, yeah let's get it started. Hey, hey, this is Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Fast paced, slow and steady, anywhere you coming up. Just want to connect for everyone who loves running. Hey, Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Runners Only with Dom Harvey and Guyon Espinay. G'day, mate. Welcome. Oh, thank you very much. Great setup here. It's good to be here. Oh, I thank you very much. This is probably, um, this is just in a spare room in my apartment, but um, I was thinking it's probably flasher than the Radio New Zealand. Oh, it was well flasher. <laughs> we, we, we don't have uh, ceiling fans for a start, let alone mics that look like yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> now, a, a lot of people will be like, I've never heard of Guyon Espinay before. There's a lot of people that'll be listening that'll be like fizzing to get to see another side of you, I'd imagine. But for anyone that doesn't know, Guyon Espinay, a journalism legend in New Zealand, worked for Sunday Star Times for a number of years, Q&A, breakfast, 60 minutes, Radio New Zealand host of Morning Report for a number of years, and um, a reputation as a tough interviewer. Oh, there's a bit of that. I'm on the receiving end today, don't yeah. I? How do you, I wanted to ask, how do, how do, you, how do you find that? Because I'm, um, you and I are, are very similar in, in the respects of our age, um, our love of running, and we're both from a radio background, although very, very different arms of radio. I'm from music radio, where it was basically a career built on fart jokes, and you're from a more serious side where you were holding politicians to task. I hate being on the receiving end. I feel incredibly uncomfortable and uh, exposed and vulnerable. Yeah, I um I don't mind being being interviewed. Um, and you know we're talking about some of my favourite subjects today, running and myself. <laughs> so you know I'm, I'm feeling pretty good, mate. Yeah, no, uh, no, no, no. But I, I suppose like what what I mean is um 
the side of radio I came from, um, in order to make a connection with the audience, it was important that you gave more of yourself away so they felt like they know you. Whereas yours is almost completely different to the point where you, you put a tweet out, a, few, a tweet or a Facebook status update out a few years ago talking about your type 1 diabetes diagnosis. And uh, it was it was very, very um, stoic. It was sort of like, I don't, I don't want to make a big deal about this and I just want to move on, but I'm away because I've got diabetes. It was it almost felt like that was oversharing for you. Yeah, that's an interesting th- thing. I, I'd forgotten about um, putting that out uh, back in the day. It's been about four years since I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Um, yeah, I guess um, at RNZ there is a, a, a tendency to be a bit more sort of austere about those things. I used to sort of joke that you weren't allowed to give your opinion about whether you're a Vegemite or a Marmite uh, fan. <laughs> um, and you can go over the top with this sort of ob- objectivity stuff. And I think that that's, um, that's loosening away. I think in, in, the, in the modern area there is just m- more and more that you, you have to share. People expect to and should get a sense of who you are and where you're coming from. I think this idea that you are somehow above everything is, you know, is, is old-fashioned and, and, and just wrong. So, yeah, no, I'm 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 happy to talk uh, about most most elements of my life. Yeah, I, I all most elements. Interesting. Yeah, well, I, any of them really. I'll, oh, I'll yeah. throw that throw that gauntlet down. I'm 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 pretty much happy to talk about everything. Oh, Although yeah. I did qualify that again, didn't I? I'm, I'm, I must have been talking to those politicians too long. Eh? <laughs> Always so, leaving myself a bit of a door yeah, open. Yeah, I could, <laughs> a little out clause. So um, the podcast is called Runners Only with Dom Harvey, and um, I know that you've got a, a relationship with running, and it's been there. You, you're a non-drinker now. You gave up drinking a few years ago. You've got a book about that called The Drinking Game, which we'll get into. But running's always been a part. Of, even when you were drinking, it was always part of your life. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. We, we, where did it start? About 03, 2003, I... Um, so early 30s? Yeah, I'd broken up from a long-term relationship. I had, I'd been with this girl for like 12 years, and my mother had just recently died, and so I was living alone. I had a lot of time on my hands. Corin Dan, who you might know from Morning Report on XTVNZ, said, oh, why don't you run the Round the Bays um, in, in Wellington? It's about 7Ks, and I thought, oh, I give this a shot, and really enjoyed it. And then I got into running half marathons, and then... Full marathons, Rotorua um, 05, I think was my first marathon, and I did 19 full competitive marathons, including some ultras and stuff uh, over the years, and I'm still running half marathons today, it's, it's, I've halved the distance, but um, I, I, I run five times a week, just 10Ks right, a shot, right. you know, so I run most days, and um, yeah, got got the Waterfront Marathon coming up in April, so... Oh, amazing, is that the, the half marathon? Yeah. Yeah, right, all flat and fast. Are you like um, goal fixated when it comes to times and things, or not, not so I've much? to reset the clock a bit after getting type 1 diabetes because it's a bit of a bit of a chemistry experiment every day with with this condition and running is both a really good means to help control it but also uh, presents its own challenges so I'm sort of um, allowing myself a, a, a personal best post-diabetes time <laughs> so I've reset the clock <laughs> what, on. what was what, what were your um, I, don't, I don't really like getting into times with people on this because I find it's intensely oh, I'm happy to talk about times yeah. and, and I'll never forget them I, I managed 129 twice before um, type 1 I uh, did the Auckland half last year? Yeah, yeah, it was the last year, wasn't it? Like October, was it? Um, in one forty-five, which I was pretty happy with at uh, fifty-one. Oh, Five-minute K pace. That's good. Yeah, it's all right, eh? Yeah, it's yeah. you know, it's uh, not going to challenge the Olympic sport. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Kim Chogi's not going to be quite good as That's right. Um, so the uh, so the type one diabetes. What, what does that mean exactly? Yeah, so we're insulin-dependent diabetics. So you've got type two types of diabetes. Uh, type 2 is the most common one, and that's really it's really a disease of obesity, right? It's, yeah. And we've got an yeah. epidemic of it in New Zealand. Type 1 is an autoimmune di- disease, and you wake up one day and you realise that um, your pancreas isn't producing any insulin. So we need to inject insulin to stay alive. We need to do that about five times a day. 
uh, and we oh. need to keep our blood sugars within a certain sort of range, otherwise you, you're going to get complications. So, look, it's completely manageable in that you can do every other aspect of your life. You're not allowed to fly commercially and not allowed to dive. You're not allowed to join the military, none of which I want to do and none of which I'd be any good at. So it hasn't really interfered too much with my life. I still run. I still enjoy enjoy my life and... Um, as I say, if you manage it well, um, you can live a good life. But it is a bit of a challenge. Yeah, five times a day. That's in, that's intense. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I suppose it's lucky you're in a. You, I mean, you're a grown man when you got it, so you're you're more like emotionally equipped to deal with it. I guess. I think that's a very good point. I mean, most commonly they used to call it juvenile onset diabetes, and the most common age of onset is about seven years old. It is mainly um, comes on in childhood for most people, um, and shit, that'd be hard, you know, because mm. you want to eat mallow puffs and eat jelly beans and stuff, and sugar high sugar diet's pretty much out. So I'm, I'm pretty much a keto diet guy now, pretty much sugar-free, um, along with alcohol-free. So there's a few things I've given up in recent years. <laughs> well, actually, I, I sent you a text just earlier saying, do you want a coffee on arrival? And um, you, you, your exact wording was something like, um, a long black is my poison, which is uh, <laughs> well, interesting phrasing because, um, you know, poison, alcohol is a poison and that's a saying that well, people Well, yeah, use, that's right. And that's what you used to say. It's not, what's your poison? Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah, it is a poison. Mm-hmm. Um but um, yeah, we've learned to process it over the years, and we did get into some of that in the, in, in the book. Yeah. So, so your decision to give up alcohol was it anything to do with like the, the sugar quantity in wine and the diabetes? Or no, no, I wasn't. No. I, I kept drinking for about a year, pretty right. pretty hard out after I had uh, diagnosed with type one. It, it there is a weird connection though in that. Quite early when I got the type 1 diagnosis, I decided to go down the sugar-free uh, path, which is effectively people would know it as a keto diet, but it means avoiding all sorts of breads, um, rice, most processed foods, right? So I cut out sugar completely. So when about a year later I woke up with a- another hangover on a Sunday morning and said to myself, this is it, I'm stopping drinking right now, I felt I knew that I had the power to do that because I'd given up sugar, which is no easy feat. It's not just talking about sugar as we associate it, and we're talking about all carbohydrates. So quite doable, but quite a big change. And so knowing that I had the discipline to do that and to make a decision and stick to it, I think helped me. And I just did decide that Sunday morning to stop drinking and didn't go to any, you know, AA or anything like that. Not that I'm um, dissing those those so. things. Yeah. Nah, I mean, yeah. that's, that's all cool. And um, people have heaps of different types of issues um, with alcohol. You know, it's pretty rich tapestry in terms of um, what issues people face. But I did know in my head that I had the power and discipline to stop doing that. And I think the adjustments to diet after diabetes were... Yeah, it gave me the feeling that I had the strength to do it. Mm. What was the moment? Uh, like that, you, you said you woke up on a Sunday morning with a hangover and just decided that that was um, that was enough. Well, so there was there was no rock bottom moment. There was no incident. Was it boredom? No, it was more the fact that I never had the off switch with alcohol. And I never did from the age of about 14 or 15. Um, and I like a lot of Kiwi guys, you know. So I was born in 1970. So the mid 80s, we started drinking at 14, 15. And um, we get drunk every weekend. <laughs> and, I, and I did that till my late 40s, right. you know, and every, every weekend. Some people sort of grow out of it after university. I, um, I'd always get drunk in the weekend. That's what we did. Unless I had a marathon the next day. They were the, and, you know, so two times a year, I wouldn't get drunk on a weekend. <laughs> You know, and yeah, the 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 price of the wine um went up over the years. You know, and you thought you were more sophisticated, possibly, but um the patterns that had been set and trained in those um, mid teenage years didn't change. And 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 when I say I woke up with a hangover, it's probably a little more than that. I woke up again having forgotten what happened the night before, and man, 
I did that so many times, you know. So I, I never did anything crazy like, oh, you know, I crashed a car or, you know, had that sort of movie-style rock-bottom moment. Mm-hmm. I just had probably hundreds of times in my drinking career where I couldn't tell you what happened after 9 o'clock at mm. night. And and it was and, and that Sunday morning was the same. It was a dinner party, a few people over. Um, my wife at the time said that I didn't, hadn't done anything too, too silly or said anything too bad. But I was just like, again, I, I had blackouts, which sounds scary, but a lot of people have them. A lot of drinkers you talk to go, oh, no, I don't have blackouts. But they they don't remember what they told you the night before, so they they, they have got parts of the parts of it missing. And I just think I just thought, man, I I, I, I I've given up um, ex, ex, excuses for myself and strategies to to mitigate it. I went through all these. Oh look, I'll just try drinking lower alcohol beer till nine o'clock, and then I'll go on the beers, or I'll cut out red wine because that's it, heavier, yeah. none of these yeah, strategies yeah, yeah. worked. For thirty-five wow. years, and so I just had had to realise that I'm someone who alcohol doesn't suit me, you know. And I had to, and it took me a long, I don't long know time. If you had a thirty-year career in it, I think it suited you very. Oh, well. I had some, I had some, <laughs> I had some moments, <laughs> um, and I had some great times with. It. And this is the yeah. thing in the book: this is not a preachy book about not about don't drink alcohol and the evils of alcohol. That's why it's hard because it's so great too, mm. right? I had some amazing moments with alcohol. It's so entrenched and ingrained in, in just about everything we do. This is why I wanted to have a look at it, because it, it's so woven into the fabric of our lives. Of course it's not. If it was just evil, you know, if it had the reputation of pee, it'd be very different. It'd be black and white, but it's not. It doesn't have that stigma. It no. doesn't, and, I, and that's why I thought, and people do think, oh, look, I can keep going. All my mates do it. Oh, I walk outside and I see the ad for it. Oh, it's time. It's wine o'clock now. Do you want to catch up for a beer? Hey, nice to meet you mate um it's all in that culture so you kind of feel shit i'm i'm an outlier i'm i'm weird if i don't drink and you do get made to feel like that when you don't drink and this is why i wanted to have a look at it not because it's evil in fact almost the opposite because it's so entrenched in our lives that i thought it's really worth you you almost do need to pull back and that's what you do when when you don't drink you realize shit this is this is really full on this is a big part of our lives yeah actually it's it's, it's a really good book so you, you intertwine some of your personal stories and experiences along with just laying out the facts and uh yeah, the liquor industry, it really does get an alarming free pass, doesn't it? Oh, it amazingly <laughs> does, you know. I mean, it's the only industry that doesn't have to tell you what's in their, in their product apart from apart from the alcohol. Like, yeah. there's no calorie warnings, there's no well, that, there are warnings coming in for, for drinking while pregnant, there's no cancer warning. Imagine yeah. the tobacco companies getting away with that. I mean, the evidence that's emerging now is that there is pretty strong links mm. with different types of cancer. Not for, not for small amounts of alcohol, but there is a real link there. Mm. And so the regulation on the alcohol industry is, they must be laughing all the way to the bank well your journey sounds um sounds very very similar to mine so i'm i'm a few years um younger than you um i'm still drinking but i feel like i'm almost at that um crossroads in life where i'm you know i've been reading a lot about it listening to some dr andrew huberman and reading your book and some other literature and i'm almost ready to i don't know break up with it but i'm still experimenting with that thing that you talked about before that doesn't work, like not drinking Monday to Thursday or not drinking when I'm home alone, just when I'm with other people. And also like you, I'm a, I'm a very, very good drinker. Like I don't turn obnoxious. I don't make an, make an absolute ass of myself. I'm not violent. So can I ask you a question? Yeah, absolutely. So why would you stop drinking then? What worries you about? Oh, I'm worried about the health effects. Yeah, okay, yeah. 
Yeah, like I, I can easily get through like a, a bottle of wine, like no trouble. Just never drive or do anything foolish like that. But I don't feel drunk after it. Do you know what I mean? I do. Yeah, because yeah. you build up the tolerance over the mm. years. Um, you know, I was I was going to say like if you enjoy if you enjoy it and you um, are able to moderate it. I'd still be drinking if I could do that. <laughs> I would be. Um, and I don't certainly make any judgments mm. about people who, who do continue to do so. I also did, I, I wanted to know people to know, though, that you can live a good life without alcohol because mm. it seems such a major thing to do in, in this country. Um, but I think we are changing to some, to some degree. But I don't know, like, do we, we are similar ages. I mean, if you go back to your high school sort of years, I mean – it's pretty weird for someone not to drink, eh? Oh, completely weird. And and could you even have made it through? I, I, I don't think so. I think it's easy. And actually, I had David Seymour on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he had a couple of years of um, sobriety just before the, the recent election. And it, so this is like four or five years ago, whatever. And he said he'd go to a bar and ask for an, a non-alcoholic drink. And he said the bartender would look at you like he's got a penis growing out of his ear. The same thing happens to me at times. It's, it's, you know, it's that, better it, now, though, eh? It's, it's uh, a bit better now, but sometimes you can go into a place and they'll roll their eyes when you ask for a Diet Coke, which is really really weird. Or I have friends who <laughs> roll say... Roll their eyes. Yeah, yeah, I've had that. And... and um, <laughs> It's like, well, you're wasting your time. Why are you in a bar? See, I love going to bars still. I love pubs. I've worked in pubs. I love pubs. And, and, and some people say, oh, do you still go out? What do you mean? You know what? Am I supposed to stay at home now that I don't drink alcohol? But you wouldn't stay out as late, would you? I go out to gigs. I love it. Yeah. I love going to music and go, going out to gigs. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, don't, you don't do the 4 a.m. nights. No, you don't. But, but you usually... Oh, nothing good happens after nah. sort of midnight well, that, anyway, No, nah, that's the thing. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying going out and, and I love socialising. Um, and the idea that you, you have to have alcohol to do that just isn't true. Mm. Um, and, and that's a big part of where the advertising and the culture of it comes into it, um, which is so, so ingrained and, mm. and, and I get into that stuff too. Yeah, it's, it's hard for, um, I think, men our, actually just people our age, because uh, we were swimming in the same sort of waters in the 1990s and that's when it was a bad of honour if someone could hold their piss. Absolutely. And, and it's amazing the free, the free pass and what, what people would, would, would just write off to alcohol, eh? I mean, yeah. I, I, I never talk about other people's drinking because I think that's their story. But Jesus, you should have seen some of the, some of the nights at Parliament, some of those parties, some of the people that you would know well. The, the, the states that they ended up in and the things that people said, I mean, it's just mm. unbelievable. You, you get away with it because it's just, oh, well, you know, it's, 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 you know it happens on tour, stays on tour mm. sort of stuff. I mean, it's quite amazing. Oh, you, you say you never talk about anyone in those parliamentary circles, but you were working at the same time as um, Patrick Gower, I guess, who's um, now alcohol-free. Surely you can share stories about him. Yeah, um, I mean, me and Patty were in the gallery together. I've probably got to know Patty a bit better over the over the years after the gallery, and it was more me and Duncan Garner, who was his boss at the time. And we, we do, I do tell, tell a story about drinking with John Key, D- Duncan and I going out for a night with John Key just before he became Prime Minister and having a big night with him and... and um, I get into that in, in the book because a lot of the socialising, a lot of the contact building, a lot of the relationships were built around alcohol. We we had 3.2, which was the third floor of the Beehive. That was the, the pub. Um, and yeah, you'd go in there, it'd be, you know, Winston would be at the bar, you know, people would be smoking cigars and dr- drinking uh, lots of alcohol. And those were how relationships were formed. That's how, how business was done. Mm, and it would have been, yeah. we were talking just before about could you have made it through high school? And I don't reckon you could have been a popular kid. Um, not in my day. No way. You know, basically there were two excuses for not drinking. One was being pregnant. Um, I can't remember what the other one was, but, it, but um, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's certainly none of them applied to me um, and it would have been seriously held back um, in terms of relationship building when I was 
at Parliament without mm. the drinking. So you've had nights on the piss with Winston? Oh, Winston's notorious, right? He loves it. Loves shit, his. Yeah. What, what does he drink? Is he scotch, whiskey? Yeah. Everything. What? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't drink beer. Not a beer man. No, he doesn't drink beer. Just, just wi- wi- wine and whiskey. Yeah. Wine and whiskey would be his main Does point. he still smoke? Uh, he's been photographed with the odd durry every now and again. <laughs> um, the, uh, last campaign, eh? Um, so, but, but he's one of those guys um, who just seems to keep rolling. I don't know. I think, if, I think your 50s is sort of like sniper alley, eh? Where stuff can go wrong. If you get out the other side of that and he'd be 75 now I mean I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in, in triple figures you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. He, 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 he'll run a few more times yet from the, the I same. don't think you'll get him to I don't think you'll get him to read my book <laughs> we've had our moments me and Winston oh, and, I don't th- and I don't think you'll get him to um, to give up drinking but it's, maybe seems like everyone's had their everyone that works in that sort of environment has had their moments with Winston Peters so there's no love loss between you oh or? look you know it's one of those um, I think they call it symbiosis in biology don't no, it's one of those relationships with him and the media. He pretends he hates the media but loves it and couldn't live without it. And the media uh, pretends they hate Winston and couldn't live without him. Right. But he's quite a likeable guy generally. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, his yeah. smile is pretty, pretty unparalleled, isn't it? Like he can give you a full blast <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah. then, then give you the… <laughs> a little wink at the yeah, end. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, he's, he's a master politician, let's, yeah. let's face it. So you, you did morning radio for five years, 4am yeah. starts. Yeah, did. Yeah. So were you, how, did you, how did you manage that and your drinking? Were you, were you not drinking the night? before? Almost all the time, yes, I wasn't drinking the night right. before. I, I call myself in the book a disciplined alcoholic, and it's quite funny because you kind of can do that, and you were talking a bit about your drinking patterns. Even in my biggest drinking days in the gallery, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday night would be alcohol-free nights. Wednesday morning, uh, Wednesday, not Wednesday morning, <laughs> never in the morning, uh, <laughs> Wednesday after work you'd be into it, you know, it'd be a six pints, half a bottle of wine sort of night, and then it would escalate there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then you'd start the thing again. So, yeah, it's interesting the signals um, and mindset around this, because there's a perception that, oh, look, I'm not addicted to alcohol, I just went three days without it. Well, I, I went three days every week mm. just about every week of my drinking career without without it but to do a week without it or, or a Friday night and Saturday night I would never do that yeah right so but yeah I mean with, with morning radio I'd yeah almost always wear off the grog but that would just mean that on the weekends we're, we're, we're bigger and bigger make up for a lot of time <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so you, you did a show called um, Morning Report on um, Radio New Zealand, which is uh, it's like the government. So you play no ads. It's the government station, right? The go- yeah, it's public. It's, pub- the, it's yeah, publicly right. owned. I, I I do bristle a little bit at the government station, but um, I know what you mean. <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry, but yeah. you're right in the sense that it's yeah, it's owned by the public, it's owned by 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 you and I, and 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 we and we pay the taxes. So, but yeah, but it's uh, um yeah, it's commercial free, you know, fairly sort of fairly sort of serious um sort of show, and um yeah, when, there's not a lot of fart jokes on it. But, <laughs> although some of the responses from politicians sound a little similar. Yeah, right. So you replaced a guy called Jeff Robinson who had been doing that role for 39 years. Yeah, that's um, right. So what, what year was that that you started? 2014. Okay, so social media was a thing. It wasn't what it is now, but it was still a thing. How was that? You must have been... Um, oh, you get smashed. You on, must have been hammered. Oh, you get smashed yeah. on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. yeah every yeah. time you every time you attack someone, especially from the left, because I'm a pretty equal opportunities basher. You know, I'd bash the right and bash the left. You know, I, I'm pretty, you know, I don't have any, any 
qualms either way, but um, did find that if you got stuck into a politician from the left side of the train tracks, <laughs> Twitter would come down on you <laughs> like a like a ton of bricks because uh, it's it is pretty slanted in that sense. So, yeah. Yeah, so was was that hard for you, like replacing this this guy that was doing the job for thirty nine years? Yeah, I mean, I think we went in there trying to shake things up a bit, mm. um, and I think we did do that. Um, yeah, he had a, he had a, um, a, a massive uh, legacy and following, so they were big shoes to fill in that respect. But everyone takes their own thing into a new, a new job, um, and you know the media landscape was changing quickly then, it's changing quickly now. But um, you know, and RNZ needs needs to move and, and has has moved. Um, but um, yeah, that was quite strange coming in after someone had been there so long. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the um, that merger thing with RNZ and TVNZ is that off the table? Now? That's, that's gone now. Oh, yeah, yeah what, what that's, your, that's what, gone. What were your thoughts on oh, that? Or I can was you quite keen to get on my mitts on their kit. You know, like <laughs> I'm, I'm a doco maker too. I've made uh, what 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 brings us here today really is a, is a documentary called Proof that I made a couple of years ago, um, which was about the the drinking story in the liquor industry, and yeah. then after that screened on TVNZ in November 2021. Alan and Unwin rang up and said, hey, would you do a book on this? And, and so here we are now. Um, so I've made a couple of documentaries that have screened on TVNZ, but we've made them on very limited resources at RNZ. So I was, I was pretty keen to, to, to migrate across the road and <laughs> into, uh, and, 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 into more, yeah, yeah. more pleasant surroundings and get my mitts on their, um, on their kit. So that's a bit disappointing in terms of um, you know, the, the opportunities it, it, it presents. But um, yeah, it's, it's off the table for now. Yeah, so you, you, you would have got the chance to make documentaries with cameras rather than just shooting yeah, on your phone. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I have to throw out the old iPhone 6. Yeah. <laughs> hey, by the way, that's, that's a great documentary and it's still available on YouTube if anyone wants to watch it. You sort of introduced uh, Māori to Radio New Zealand. Well, that's probably, yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because um, I, I kind of, um, and you touched on it before, about how... Yeah, I, I kind of considered myself this heavy-hitting political interviewer and stuff, and I thought when I went in to do Morning Report that that's what I'd be remembered for, and I'm going to give this death for five years and then see how we go. <laughs> and, and the only thing that people, not the only thing, but one of the, the major thing that people talk to me about is Te Reo Māori on, on, on the radio, and it had, a, it had a big impact. It's kind of weird looking back on it now, because it was 2017, and um, I married a Māori woman. We've got our daughter's Māori. She's at a full rumaki school, so she speaks Māori at school, and I decided, wanted to give her her language so I'd better learn it and then take it from there. And as I was learning it, I thought, well, I'll fling this out on the radio too, you know. It's an official language of New Zealand. It's a beautiful language. I'm, I'm learning it. Let's flick it around. And it was all kind of, there wasn't a program. Like people think, oh, is RNZ social engineering or something? It wasn't that at all. It was just me flinging it around. Others were doing it. I took it a bit further and thought, no, I'll, 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 this is cool. I'm going to run with this. Um, so you were just doing like a couple of extra words here and there, which is everywhere nowadays. Initially, yeah. And then we went, um, as I learned more and more, uh, um, by, by the time I'd finished, we did you know, full interviews in Māori, but we'd translate at the same time. So you'd, you'd fling a line out and then you'd translate it um, and use both languages. So, yeah, as I got better at it, and I'm still no expert by any means, I'm an intermediate sort of speaker, but um, as I got better, I'd, I'd try and share what I was what I was learning. Mm. But listening now, yeah, it's um, it's everywhere, which is really cool. Yeah, it's on the 6 o'clock news yeah. at the beginning of the sports <laughs> yeah. bulletin, the beginning, it's everywhere. <laughs> it's, I suppose you, you um, not that you're going to give yourself a pat on the back, but um, you deserve some of the credit for that I guess being a trailblazer in a way we did we were early runners on it I think it's hard to deny that yeah mm. 
So no one in management tried to stop you? Do you just sort of oh, open the mic there, and... There was a few, um, I think there was a few uh, knee-wobbling moments when, because you got, <laughs> you got a lot of feedback piling in, and at one point Don Brash got really upset about it, as he does. And I respect Don Brash on the economy. I don't respect his views a lot on Māori issues, but, you know, uh, that's his thing, um, and, and he's entitled to his opinion. I'm a big believer in, 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 in free speech. He, he smashed into me, um, and people were starting to put press releases out, and there were lots of op-eds and stuff. People, there was quite a reaction, you know, and it wasn't overwhelmingly positive. It's only you know only 2017, but it's not long ago. But there was a lot of um, a lot of negative reaction too, and I think there were some um, who were starting to waver a little bit. But they never said they never said look stop doing it or anything like that. And then after a while, um, they started to to encourage it. And nowadays we've got you know training, there's training sessions, there's all that sort of stuff all, all behind it now. And there's a bit more of an organised program. Whereas I was just sort of mm. kind of flinging it around quite a lot. It's not a bad legacy though, is it? No, it's not. And I'm actually quite proud yeah. of it. Where, you yeah. know, I am. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. You, you mentioned before something about your mum. You lost your mum at a rel- relatively early age, I guess, like 30-ish? Yeah, what that's right, there? early 30s. Um, she died at 68 um, of cancer, effectively. She had a bad cancer, and then she had, had had heart issues as well. And so she died in 2001. So, yeah, more than 30 years ago now. Wow. How was that? How was that at that age and stage of life? Yeah, like pretty. Still quite, still quite a, even though you're a man, it's still quite a young age yeah, to lose your mum. Yeah, it's a good point, and I, I think that's right. And um, that's where the running started in, man. Is it? And I, yeah, and I'd be running. I, I remember, you know, you, and it's a funny thing with running. I don't know whether you get this. I, I remember, like, you know, sometimes I'd run you know, 40 Ks plus, and I'd be cry- I'd just start crying after in, in the 30s, mid-30s Ks. And it's just like, you just start crying. And and, and it's like, where, where did it come from? It must be something chemical in your brain mm. which starts to release stuff like that. And so I, it's I, not because you were thinking of anything in particular? No, nah, it's, it's just like, yeah, it was just... Um, broke your walls down somewhere. Yeah, and um, it's great thinking time. And, and I got quite zen-like about running, and that's still why I run. I run for, um, I run for my head rather than my heart. Mm. You know, and um, still do that, and I find it's my. Um, I find I work through a lot of problems. Y- you know, even like um, you know barriers to a story I'm writing, or like oh, I could do it this way, um, and you know, and emotional stuff. So you know, um, yeah, I think it's a really good thing for mental health. But that was yeah, that was um, it was a big part of why I started running long distance. Big mm. part of it. So she missed most of your career. Like the, yeah, the, the never saw me on stuff. telly, yeah. which her mum would have loved, you know. Mm. Yeah, so I was, a news, I was still a newspaper guy when yeah. she died. And she would have, yeah, she would have been um, pretty stoked about that because I I joined uh, TVNZ in 2003, late 03, so she never saw that. She never saw that. Mm. Yeah. Is your dad still around? My dad is. He's 89 this year wow. and he's still working and he's still tramping and he's still cycling. Uh, I think he's finally sort of given up drinking. He does a little bit of drinking. He's always been a... <laughs> been a um, you know, a guy of real discipline um, over the years. But hey, yeah, he's still going strong, so I hope he hopefully get some of those genes. Yeah, absolutely. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now, I don't know if you want to talk about this, um, but there's something, uh, when I Googled you yesterday, there was like a story online about you being on Bumble. Yeah, no, happy to happy to talk yeah. about happy to talk what, about anything. What, what happened? Have you recently gone through a relationship? Yeah, break that's up or? right. Yeah, no, um, I did. I, I separated with my wife in October of of last year, so October of twenty twenty. Uh, so sorry, twenty twenty two. How did how a did, couple of years? How did you not end up? Um, how did you get through that without um, falling back on alcohol? I think I think that says a lot about. Well, I think that's a that's a really good question. We were married ten years, and mm. we were together twelve years. So it was a big um, relationship. Got, got um, a, a daughter together, and. On the critical afternoon, um, which I, which I'll never f- forget, I was just about to go out for a run, and then you know we'd we'd, we'd finally sort of decided. And the first thought was, I'm going to go to the pub and smoke durries as well because I used to I used to be I used to I used to the cigarettes used to come yeah. out after about the fifth or sixth pint right, I don't know what right. you're like but I was like a non-smoker until the fifth or yeah, sixth social, pint social smoker they call yeah, it yeah social smoker but the thing is, is if you only do that when you're drinking and you drink a lot then effectively you're yeah, a smoker yeah, yeah. and um, that was just the first thought that went through my head because that was always that the escape to place I always thought I'll be alright as long as I can go to the pub and then about ten minutes later I laced up my running shoes and went for a 10k run instead and um, and then I, I I knew that I would I would never go back there. I, I always thought when I gave up drinking, gee, if a big crisis happens, and I'd put divorce as a big crisis. Mm, absolutely, yeah, it's one of the biggest life crises you can go through. Yeah, and it's uh, still you know feel like fairly relatively raw as I sit here today because uh, it's only been a few months. Um, but I haven't, mm. and I haven't n- n- needed to, and I haven't felt like doing that um, apart from that first flash of gee I know where this my brain's going to go it's going to go to the bottle but it did it didn't and um, I feel that's a pretty good stress test yeah and um, that's something to be proud of and I don't miss it I just, it's just yeah. as it's not an option it's just I don't I don't miss it I, yeah. I love being around people drinking I buy wine for people I always have wine in the house and, and beer in the fridge for mates when they come around Um so it's not like um, <laughs> yeah, that's good, that's good. And I, I don't want to like mock anyone, but I think that'd be the the worst of non drinkers It's like, oh, Guyan's coming over. We better hide all the alcohol. Yeah. no one else can drink because he's not. It's funny you say that because that's the hardest thing, mate. Yeah. The hardest thing about giving up drinking, in my experience, is not the fact that you can't have it at five o'clock in the afternoon or whatever your ritual is. It's the expectations of other people mm. is the hardest thing because they care so much about what you're doing. It's mm. kind of weird. You think well why don't you just do your thing and I'm just doing my thing but no it's this hey there's a kind of science around what we're doing and I think especially when I first gave up it really used to bug me like um, people would get really quite affronted and then when you told them that you would, had not only not drinking tonight that you were never drinking again you could see the fear in their <laughs> eyes because they were like what does it say about me am I going to have to give up too yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's quite interesting um, the social expectation stuff um, that people carry with them about your drinking, um, yeah. and I, 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 
that, that's one of the main reasons for the book. And I think it's great that people like Paddy Gower, who's got a massive reach and is basically a pop culture mm. hero in New Zealand, way above what I've... I mean, we did similar jobs, but he, he's got this massive reach and appeal. I think it's really cool that someone like that has come out and gone, oh, I'm off the booze, mate. Because I, I, I th- what we need is a licence to say, hey, it's okay. You know, mm. I can go out to you guys, you know, three of us are drinking, I'm not drinking. Who cares what's in your glass and what's in your glass? It's the... It's the conversation. It's it's what we're doing. It's not about what you're drinking. So uh, I think it's really cool that if we can give people a license to think, hey, it's okay. You don't have to drink to be normal and to have a good time and to have a good life in New Zealand. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I wonder if part of it is some um, fear from. I don't know if fear is the right word, but the, the, your friends that are still drinking, it's like, oh my god, he's he's doing so much better than me, and I'm stuck here on this um, hamster wheel, still drinking. And you wonder if um, you know you you have this fear that you can't necessarily do it yourself. Yeah, I think it is that, and I think it's also um, sort of equate it with a, a moral thing. And it isn't a moral thing. I'm not judging you by mm. saying I don't drink. I'm a better person than you. I don't feel like that at all. <laughs> it's not a sanctimonious. No, thing. it's yeah, not. Yeah. And I'm not. I'm not anti-alcohol or anti any other drugs. I'm not. Um, that's. It's not a moral thing. Mm. It's. This isn't the temperance union. You know, it's not. That's not the early 20th century and the mm. temperance movement, <laughs> which we do talk about because the history of alcohol in New Zealand is amazing, and the morality thing has played a big part. But this isn't about morality. It's. It's about me saying. Alcohol didn't work. Didn't work for me, and I didn't want to do it anymore. And you don't need it to um, to have fun, and you don't need it to have a good life. Mm. It's not. It's not saying, well, I don't do this. It makes me a better person than you. Um, in fact, I want to take that out of the equation at all and say, don't judge people on that at all. Yeah, you, uh, you had some. Um, so we're bouncing all over the place here. But um, you, there's some great yarns in the book, which I just remembered now, like the um, Antarctica story, two thousand. Oh, that's a shocker. Which sounds like the be- the beginning of a joke, you know. Uh, <laughs> Edmund Hillary and Helen Clark walk into a bar. Do you want to tell the story well, from did. 2006? Yeah, yeah, they did, and I'm cringing now talking to you about it. <laughs> like because New Zealand icons. It was unbelievable, yeah. I mean, we went down with Ed Hillary. It was uh, 2006. That's so the 50th anniversary of Scott Base. Incredible to go down. They went down there on a star, star lift or something. I had Ed Hillary. It was um, horizontal for most of the flight because he's on oxygen. He's 86. Um, me and the TVNZ cameraman hop off the the star after first to get the shots of Ed coming back to the ice, you know, his eyebrows are sort of three <laughs> feet thick. You know, he's, he's, he's a legend and he's amazing. His eyes light up when he sees the ice. It's great. We, we smashed out the work for sort of three or four nights, did live crosses from Antarctica, which was a big deal in those days. Mm. He had the satellite out and all that stuff and really hit it. And then hit the bar... Um, on the last night at uh, Scott Base really hard. And in my defence, it was January, so it was 24 hours light. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you couldn't see that it, was, that it wasn't getting dark outside. It's like so being in a casino. Filed into it, yeah, yeah. And sort of hit the booze really hard and then um, sort of ended up, my last steps were like um, in this common living area where it had an utter skin fill and I was still holding a glass of sort of red wine. And so and when I came it out, and the next morning in walks... Helen Clark, 
Ed Hillary, Jerry Mataparai, you know, the good and great of New Zealand Chief of Defence Force, a legend, the Prime Minister, to see this guy comb it out, um, you know, absolutely reeking of alcohol. You know, and I can laugh about it now, but, um, yeah, yeah, I got close-ish to losing my job. Really? Well, there were subterranean efforts and emails and reputation managers flying around, and there's a little bit of heat that never got, there was a kind of force field around, shield around me and never really got to that. Um, I think you would nowadays, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, know. I, oh, was, just thinking, I was thinking to myself, I don't think you'd survive it now. I, no, you wouldn't survive yeah. it now. But you see, yeah, now, you know, um, and people did. Um, people did, and far worse things, um, you know, MPs as well. And that's what we were talking about before, the licence that you were given. I don't know that that extends to that now. But, but interesting, what was my reaction to that? It wasn't like, shit, I've nearly lost my job as political editor. I was like 35. This was my career, like just... Coming, you know, taking mm, off mm. really massive job, one of the biggest jobs in New Zealand journalism. You know, still is a big job. Um, I didn't go shit. You know, um, I better knock this on the head. I just kept going, just kept doing it, and tried to blame <laughs> someone else. <laughs> yeah, I blamed a guy who took a photo of me and put it on the gallery. Oh, why'd you do that? Yeah, you know, yeah. you know. Um, or there was an excuse. It's always an excuse. And I, I'm a relatively smart person. I had 35 years of excuses. Oh, Ooh. it's this beer. I won't drink craft beer. Stein it's too lagers, expensive. Yeah. Yeah, 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 the zoo, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the kebab at the on the way home that did you. Um, yeah. What um, yeah, well, the, the dodgy kebab definitely does <laughs> well, play a part. Yeah, um, yeah. What um, what what sort of uh, physical changes have you noticed? I'm guessing it wasn't long before you started noticing a bit of sleep sleep habits. that's step one. Yeah. You cannot. I challenge anyone who's a drinker to say they have good sleeps. More than two drinks, and I'd be always wake, waking up. So sleep is 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 the utter first one. One of the one of the other massive ones is weight it just um i found you you, you 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 lose quite a lot of weight and you find it easy heaps easier to keep off when you're not drinking because not only because of all the calories in the alcohol but also it changes the way you eat quite a lot or did with me not only at the time i'd always eat more oh it would be quite nice with this glass of wine or oh, try this with this beer you know and but then the next day your body would well i would think it would crave the fat and you would like go after those sorts of um mm. meals when you when you uh, were, were were, um, had drunk the night before, um, but the immune system too. Um, I found myself getting sick far less um, w- without drinking. Is that like, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. and actually, you know, and I researched this in, in, in the book, and it's not just my theory. You know, Mayo Clinic and others, uh, we source all that stuff in the book. That that alcohol has serious impact on the immune system, mm. and I, I found it from getting. I used to get sick quite a bit. You know, like once a month, get a bad cold, or you know. Um, get the flu or something and it's almost never happened to me in, in these years now yeah look some of that will be the COVID lockdowns and all that stuff um, but massive impact on, on my immune system and, and felt and just not getting sick nearly as much oh yeah the lockdowns weren't you bored everyone drank more in the lockdown <laughs> yeah, they, they they did, they did. Yeah. Um, but now again, again, that was like I think I might have had a flash of a moment where I thought, would this be the trigger? But again, it hasn't been. Mm. And so, having gone through a pandemic and a divorce <laughs> and a cyclone, um, I hope I hate yeah, to think what's lot. next. But I'm kind of thinking. Yeah, nah, I'm clear of this now. And I was thinking, it's interesting because you have these little things in your head, don't you? What, what, say someone gave you a year to live or a week to live, would you get drunk? And I, I wouldn't. Mm. It's gone, mate. It's wasting gone. some good hours. It's just yeah. gone. It's just gone as a temptation. And it's funny the way the brain works. How long like did that, that take? Immediately. 
That's the weird thing. I just, I just knew that morning's just gone. So, which sounds impressive to you think, shit, you overdrank for 35 years. What a moron. So, you know, it depends which way you want to take it. Mm. Eh? Um, but it's amazing how something that has been such a massive part of your life, you know, um, can disappear so quickly mm. and um, you can just move on. How are you coping now with the um, relatively recent relationship breakup? I, I, I've been through a, like a break. Me and my wife, we broke up about five years ago. Is that right? We're, yeah. still, we're still particularly close now, but um, I still have um, like moments where I'm running where I, um, you know, I feel like regret or guilt and shame that, you know, I, t- I took it for granted or I prioritised my work over here. And, uh, you know, I, I, I look back and I think, you know, I could have worked harder and made that relationship work. And it still plays on my mind. Are you with relationships like you are with alcohol, where you're good at like drawing a line in the sand, saying that's it, and moving on? I don't think you can from something mm. like that, eh? Um, and you know, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no poison or toxic stuff there. Um, you know, we've got a good relationship too, but um, it just run its course. It'd run its yeah. course. Um, but I'd be lying if I said that I was completely uh, fine with it. Um, it's it's really it's really tough, and it makes you feel quite vulnerable. And you you know, it's a massive shakeup, man. Um, and yeah, you sort of have to rebuild your life. And I'm still, as we're talking now, you know, in in late February, I'm still a bit shell shocked by it. Like yeah. thinking, shit, how do I how do I rebuild and how how's this going to look like? Because I never thought that it would happen to me, and I thought that that's how I was going to live out my life with with a family. Like I, I, I was quite simple in those terms. I had my job and my family. That was pretty much it. That was what I kind of felt. That's how I. You know, that yeah. was how it's going to play out. My job, my family, and a Netflix account, you know. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's kind of what I, that's kind of, that's yeah, kind of. You're a happy man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and now, look, there are exciting bits about that too. Like, it, it, in, the, in that there's, there's unknown stuff out there and there's adventure out there, but it's hard too, isn't it? Getting off the, mm. off the couch and out of that comfort zone. So it's a little bit frightening, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, you know? thanks for sharing that. Was it, was it a, did it come as like a shock to you or was it sort of building? In, it's one of those things that, in retrospect, you, you you piece it all together, and you know if you piece it all together for someone, they'd be like, "Yeah, bro, this is you know, <laughs> you, 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 what, what, which why can't you understand this?" But I don't know. I suppose you you well, I did. You keep thinking, "Well, it's gonna get it's gonna get better here, or it's gonna get stronger here, or this is just a rough patch." And we had had um, you know tough times. We both had careers that we were putting a hell of a lot into, and then we had the pandemic and everything. So you kind of go. You do. I think you, you look for excuses or not even excuses, just reasons why yeah. things aren't firing at the moment and that it'll be okay. Um, so, yeah, there was, a, there was an element where it was a bit of a rupture for yeah. me. It's hard though, because yeah, people, people change. Like, yeah, people are changing all the time, and I think that's a good thing. Um, but it's hard to change as an individual and then sort of stay together in the same direction as a couple. I think, that's, tough. I think that's right. And when you, when you look back on it, you know, when, when you look back in, in, in history, for example, Let's say you know Jane marries John in 1943. Goes off to war. If he survives that, and they're married at the rugby club, and they've got kids, and and he dies at 46 or something. You know that that that's back in the day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, nowadays, you might live to a hundred. You've got four different careers. You know, she's got six different careers, and has changed her personality utterly. You know, three times. It's just, and the pressure on, on people to be everything to each other is massive. Mm. You know, you you got to be a soulmate. 
you know, a, a, a great co-parent, uh, have, you know, be entwined in someone else's career and all of that pressure, um, I think a lot of, a lot of times it, 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 it falls over. So, yeah, and your point about um, personal change, I think while it's really cool that we all have, not all of us, but a lot of us have, have great opportunities to change and grow in our careers and as people, that that puts its own pressure on, eh? Yeah, I reckon absolutely. It's funny the the couple you uh, the, the fictional couple that you described before. It does sound a lot like my parents. Though they <laughs> it was basically an arranged marriage. They're from the same church congregation in Levin. So this was in the nineteen sixties, where you know you basically lived in your your town, and that was that was your lot in life. And now the world's like a, a one big global community. So yeah, and there's you, so, many, so many more options. And, I guess. and you expect you 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 were happy with that, right? Yeah. Or there wasn't a, not really an opportunity outside those walls. Now we're told to pursue everything. Mm. for ourselves right and yeah. um yeah that that can splinter stuff apart yeah so you, so you went on bumble last year I, I read about this in the paper was that mortifying yeah it was it yeah. was humiliating yeah it was humiliating um, so i mean I, I mean so so you know single guy joins dating app is not a story that's the way people meet nowadays mm. in the 2020s so you, know, you, you, had, you had no part in that it was in um no no part in that story no, you seem like, a, like you've been very open with me today, and I really appreciate it. But are you, I mean, you're a real private guy. There's not about not a lot about you online. And I read this Bumble story, and no, yeah, it I was, right felt for you. It was humiliating. Mm. Um, it was yeah, humiliating. No, I mean, there is nothing to be no, there's not. No, there's not. And I'm happy to to, yeah. to, to 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 talk to you about it. And there's nothing wrong at all with being on a dating app. And I've I've found that um, in my experience, people who are using them have a lot of integrity. And it, do you, it, you know for people. Who is still scornful about it. Do you think it was better what we did, which was go, go to a pub, get pissed, and pass someone in the car park? That 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 was the, that's how you met people in New Zealand. Yeah, I mean, actually, right. it, 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 it isn't meeting people for coffee dates, um, which is uh, I don't know. Like it depends on how, how you conduct yourself. I don't go too far into that, but um, but yeah, no, certainly I'm certainly not ashamed of that. But when someone points it out and it's in the newspaper. Uh, that takes on a different hue, doesn't mm. it? And it's like, oh, this guy's in the new... And, and then, of course, a headline, you're know, looking for love or something. And it's just like, as you say, I mean, I've, I've never done the Women's Weekly stories and all that. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but I, that's just my thing. I haven't done that. I've conducted myself in a certain way. Mm. And I'm not a hypocrite. I've not done stories about other people's relationships or personal stuff. I haven't. I've, I've never conducted myself in that way. You know, I've yeah, done... I think once you dip your toes in those waters, you sort of open yourself right or wrong to that sort of scrutiny. You do. And look at look at look at my career. You know, yeah. p- politics Q and A. You went through some of them. Uh, morning report. You know, I, I'm not. I, I haven't gone after people's personal lives, and so I would. You know, it, it was a bit confronting for me to to, to 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 have that. But you know, it is what it is. Uh, hey, ah, it's yeah. you know, it is what it is, bro. I when mean, yeah, yeah, when my, my marriage broke up, I I was on um, Tinder for I think about thirty minutes. <laughs> I deleted my account because f- first of all, it felt like a very shallow existence. So I'm I'm flipping. Through photos, judging people based on a, like a two-second glance, and then it occurred to me that they're doing exactly the same thing, um, which is awful. But then another thing that occurred to me is, if someone gets a screen cap of this, and it ends up being a story on staff, I'll be mortified. So I deleted the account for that reason, which is probably like a, it's, it's a, a terrible way to live your life. Well, fear you, of what you, happened you, to you. you. You should have messaged me earlier, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Save me the trouble. Save the trouble. Hey, bro, get, get off this. Yeah. 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 Um, so are you, um, are you dating now? Are you, are you still on any of the apps? How, how do you find dating as a sober man? 
Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because, um, again, you know, from a very young age, alcohol was a massive part of meeting anyone. And um, it is harder, socially harder um, in just about all of those circumstances. Um, you get better at, at it as, as you go on, but um, in, an, in a society which structures a lot of social time around alcohol, it is harder as a non-drinker. And again, you know, and I've said it a few times in this interview, um, that's a big reason why I wanted to write this book, mm. to, ha- to, to look at why we link those two things so, so closely mm. and what it's like to live and socialise without alcohol. But I tell you what, it's pretty real, man, mm. without it. You know, it, all yeah. the feelings are yours. You know, you think about, well, so, oh, Dutch courage, you talk about that, and you talk about having a few drinks and all that. Well, so, it's interesting, isn't it? Well, so, what are you running away from? And what, is, what are the negative bits about your feelings? Yeah, so you get a bit more fear and a bit more anxiety, but they're your feelings. And so, there's a bit of courage in there, and, mm. um, you know, the relationships you do forge are pretty real, mm. and the feelings you have are, are real, and they're not, you know, they're not brought to you by a brewery. Yeah, I can imagine um, it's terrifying in a lot of ways. You go out with someone for the first time, you have three wines, and you're probably more likely to think, yeah, now's the moment to go in for a kiss. Yeah. Um, because you've got that Dutch courage. With, without any of that, it's like you're making a sound decision based on what you've experienced and what's in front of you. Yeah, I think that's, that's right. Um, and... Yeah, socially, especially when you first stop drinking, you it's the when you go into say a party, it's the first ten or fifteen minutes that's really really difficult because people really want you to drink, you know, and the host always that out of a good place, right? Mm. They want to be a good host, and mm. so you get that real pressure. And if you're standing around a small group of people, say for example, in a social circle, and they've got everyone else a drink, what are you going to have? And you go, oh, oh, you know, have you got some sparkling water? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's and it's hard. So you got to come up. You, you work it out in the end. You work out what your lines are. You know, some 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 non-drinkers that I know um, get into the uh, the no lows. You know, the no and low alcohol um, drinks, or they'll have basically a disguise disguise drink. I haven't really gone down that line, but you do need to sort your story out so that you've got a bit of a a bit of a comeback because. It's pretty full on. The, I mean, the first the first gig, and it's in the book, was the 2019 Radio Awards. Now, do you mean the Radio Awards, man? I mean, they, oh, they were a good pretty booze-soaked yeah, day. Yeah. And, you know, and everyone comes up from the regions and everyone's right out for it. And, you know, that night was beer and wine were the only choices of, of drinks. So it's stinking hot. You're sweating like a pig. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my first night without drinking. And everyone was just telling war stories in my face. And it was, I thought, man, this is going to be, <laughs> these are going to be long years. Um, but you get better at it. You get better at it. I suppose with each challenge, like you're a New Year's Eve baby as well, so That's New right. Year's Eve is probably always a big night night for you, so I suppose you get through these little milestones and you survive them, and yeah, I suppose the most recent one for you has been you know, your, like your relationship breakdown, and you get through that, and uh, they, I suppose they just build that resilience and that That's shell. absolutely right, you do. You yeah. go, okay, well, so here's a Christmas without this part of the family, or here's a Christmas without alcohol, and um, you, you learn, you build, and you adapt. Mm. Now, how's your mental health been over the years? Has it, has it been good? Yeah, it has you, you've been, been. You've been through some challenges, eh? You've been through a lot of stuff. Yeah, I have. Yeah. I have. Um, and look, you know, to circle it back to running, um, it's a big part of it. And I run most – I try to have two days off a week um, just to preserve the 
you know, the, <laughs> the, knee, joints, the knees, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but a big part of uh, my mental health I put down to my running. Yeah. Big part of it. But also alcohol, you know, it, it, they call it anxiety now because it's a, it's a, it's a dual thing of the, of the chemistry, and I don't understand enough about the, the chemistry to go into it. But basically, you know, there is a chemical reason it increases the anxiety, and then you hook that up with the, what exactly did I say last night? And you get that feeling of anxiety. And I, I, I used to have that a lot. Oh, I used to have that a lot. You know, the greatest thing about not drinking is the lightness of being. Mm. You never have that shame. Like we talked before about, yeah, it's a bit harder. You're on a date or you're, you know, hanging out with mates and it's a bit harder because you don't have that, you know, um, that freeing up of the alcohol. But the reward is you never feel ashamed. I hate shame. Mm. It's, a, it's a massive burden. That was, that's, that's the biggest thing. It's just that lightness of being, like never going... You know, I might have stuffed up at work or I might have said the wrong thing, but I own it now. Mm. Like, it's never someone else's fault or I never like that grey zone. What exactly did happen there? You know, and I used to get that. I don't know about you. I used to get that all the time, mm. just that um, just that big weight of, of shame. Mm. And the lightness of being from not drinking is just bloody great. You know? It's funny you should say that because um, I, I get that as well. And it's never a fear of anything I've said or done because I go through my phone in the morning and all my interactions on social media when I've been drunk are all positive and nice. But I'll just wake up at three or four in the morning after a big night and lie awake for a couple of hours with, I don't know if it's a sugar spike or what it yeah. is, what the science is behind it. But I'll lie there awake and I'll just be ashamed of myself. Yeah, I know. For letting myself down. I, I, again. I was exactly the same. Were you? Yeah, maybe it was letting myself down. Yeah, in that, yeah, there were no, you know, stories about, oh, and then, you know, and then he smashed a window and did something crazy. Or <laughs> again. Like yeah. Um, <laughs> or, although uh, in the teenage years, it might have been a bit of that. But. Um, oh, yeah, we can touch upon that if you want. You spent a night in jail and. I did. Uh, yeah, you early, read the book closely. I did. Early yeah, 20s, yeah, late Yeah, times. I did. Yeah, I did. I was banned for life from Warner's Pub. And uh, I, don't, I don't think it's still standing after the earthquake. But um, oh, yeah, so got, it truly was a lifetime ban. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I uh, woke up in the police cells. Um, so yeah, I had my moments, um, especially in my late teens and early twenties. But but most of it was like you um, hadn't actually done anything really wrong, but just that yeah yeah I've let myself down. I hadn't actually thought about it like that. Mm. I think that's what it pro- may, maybe a lot of it was. But yeah, it, it's it's an awful feeling, eh? It is. It is. It's just. Yeah, yeah, you have, I suppose you have higher standards or a vision of your life, and it feels like you're letting yourself down a little bit. But anyway, I'm I'm speaking uh, as this from a perspective of where I am now, which is still as a drinker. Um, so it seems like I've got some work to do. But your book has definitely made me think about things. That's cool. It really has. That's I, cool. I really enjoy it. So um, it's called the drinking game. Give us the um, elevator pitch. Who would it appeal to? I think it appealed to just about everyone. <laughs> um, in that, just about everyone drinks. And mm. has relationships with people who do, and it's such a massive part of our life. And you know, this isn't a book about how to stop drinking alcohol. It isn't a book about the evils of alcohol. It's a book about the place of alcohol in our lives and how we got to where we are now. And I hope that people do think about well, what is my relationship with alcohol and why do I do what I do? And if you're good with it, Keep going. But if it's something that you want to revisit after reading it, then that's cool too. So I've just wanted to take a good look at something that is so woven really deeply into our lives and go, how did we get here? Are you proud of it? 
I am. I'm. Re- I'm really proud of it. Actually, yeah. I'm, I'm really proud of it. It's. Um. You know, you were showing me a copy before, and it still was take fright a bit because it, it's something, and I know that you know you've had two or three books, isn't three, it? Three books. Three yeah. books. But again, the books. Um, with a lot of fat jokes, and basically, this it's not going to not going to change the fabric of society no. like your book. No, I don't know that it'll do that either. But um, but it's kind of weird, isn't it? Because it exists in your head and then in your computer files for quite a while, and then you're like, oh my god, other people are going to mm. read it. What are you doing with a copy of my book? Yeah. Um. So, but it's exciting as well. So yeah, I'm proud of. It and I'm proud to see it out in the world. Yeah. So, how's the future looking for you? What's What's the next five years, ten years like, career-wise, personal life? Are you hoping, hoping to marry again one day? Or too early to say. I. Uh, it's um. Yeah, probably. You know, I mean, I, I want. You're a romantic. I am actually. So you guess I am actually. Your first yeah. relationship that you talked about, either ten years, eleven years, yeah. you didn't marry. That no, we didn't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you've only been married once. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah, I'm someone who I'm. I'm. I'm pretty good on my own, but um, yeah, I think it's nice to share stuff with people. So mm. yeah, yeah. And journalism wise. I made a decision a number of years ago that I would never go down the management track, that I'm a storyteller and a content provider, and mm. so I'll be telling stories for whoever whoever has me, you know, whether it's merging with TVNZ, and that's off the table, <laughs> um, or, or, or whatever, yeah. um, and whether it's writing or uh, broadcasting, doing radio. Like, I like this setup, actually, mate. I, I might have a chat to you after we get off here and see see how, how you set this up. Well, um, mate, I've, I've been going a year, and at this stage, it's about as lucrative as writing a book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So, don't quit your day job yeah, just yeah, yet, yeah. but um, but I like it. I like it after after having a, a very long and very successful career in music radio, where um, it was very restrictive who I could speak to, mainly just like pop singers, to be able to speak to whoever I want and have long form conversations with them. I'm thoroughly enjoying. It's what very I'm doing. cool, and I like your branding too. <laughs> it's very cool. Thanks very much. Wonderful to meet you. You too, man. Yeah. I've enjoyed it. It's been a good uh, quarter door. Yeah, I appreciate you being so um, honest and open as well. And oh, oh, one last thing: who's going to win the election this year? <laughs> Look, you know, it's it's. Oh, you're going to give us an on the fence well, answer. Well, yeah, I am because we can't, we can't, uh, we can't tell. It's going to be a, it's going to be a really, really close mm. call. I mean, I would have thought it was nationals to lose before this mm. uh, cyclone, before the the leadership transition, which is they've handled pretty well. You, you'd have to, you, you, you'd say that the odds are with Labor probably at the moment, but I would say it's going to be a, a knife edge 05 style election where it's really, really close, and you might get a third party deciding uh, who who's going to govern. So yeah, look, it's fifty fifty, mm. mate. It's too close to. Cool. I don't really follow politics closely enough to have an informed opinion on it, but people I speak to say Luxon's um, a bit underwhelming. Like, not he's much fla- of a performance, he's is that right? He's flailing a bit, but I think you have to realise he, he was only 18 months in Parliament before he took over as leader, you know, and that is not much of an apprenticeship at all. And, you know, he, he's doing a lot better than Collins did, and, um, <laughs> you know, that, and they had Muller in, in, in between oh, yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and so they've been a real schmozzle for, for a while. So he's stabilised it, but. Yeah, he he he's plateaued a bit, eh? Mm. I mean, it was an Air New Zealand plane. He's 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 sort of plateaued at 30,000 <laughs> 30, feet. <laughs> do you think he's ready, ready to be mothballed in the desert for a while. <laughs> Maybe a bit of that. Uh, do, do you do you um, share who you vote for, or do you keep that firmly to your chest? I, I'll say this much. Um, I'll, I'll say a few things because we have been very open and honest today. Um, I didn't vote at all when I was in the press gallery because I thought that, and I did 14, 15 years in the press gallery because I thought that was the easiest way to handle it. I'll just, you know. But I have since then, and I'll say I've voted both sides of the track, left and right, uh, in, the, in those days. You're a swinger. Yeah. Don't circle back to the dating apps, mate. We're, we're done with that. <laughs> All right. Hey, Guy and it's been a wonderful to meet you, and um, best of luck with your new book, The Drinking Game. Cheers, and, mate. And best of luck for the future as well. Thanks very much.
Oh, that was awesome, oh, going to get a buzz track. Yeah, no, all good, man. Yeah. Oh, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's really, really cool. It. Yeah, yeah. I, I get interviewed quite a bit, and um, yeah, it was a good interview. Thanks very much for making it all the way through this episode of Runners Only with Dom Harvey. That was Guyani Spinner. And his book, it's in bookstores everywhere now. It's called The Drinking Game. Well worth a read if you want to reconsider your relationship with alcohol, or if you love drinking and happy drinking, avoid it at all cost. Thanks very much to the sponsors of this episode, Radix Nutrition, R-A-D-I-X. Give them a follow on Instagram, Radix Nutrition, or check out their website, radixnutrition.co.nz. Honestly, if you're in the market to buy supplements like protein or smoothie powder, please check them out because it'd be really cool if you could support the people that make this podcast possible. I really appreciate it. All right, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for listening. Love having you guys along. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. For this journey and hope to see you next week on Runners Only.